0: Many of our kids, and many of us, have been taught to believe that we shouldn't mix religion and politics. In fact, I was taught that you don't even discuss those two in polite company. But is it even possible not to discuss, or even more importantly, not to mix them? After all, it's been said that the moral standards of one generation often become the law of the next. And with that in mind, it might behoove us as parents to start engaging our kids in more conversations about government and politics. And this is especially true today. Many Christians appear to be conducting their affairs and casting their votes as if they were more secular-minded rather than biblically-minded. So for those of us who want to live and raise our kids with a biblical worldview, the political views we express and the way we cast our votes will help shape the kind of world our grandkids will either have to inherit or get to inherit someday. That's coming up today on Licensed to Parent. Well, hello and welcome once again to our program, Licensed to Parent is the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis. Our host is the founder and executive director of Shepherds Hill, Trace Embry, and I'm Rich Rosell. And Trace, when we talk about raising kids and we hearken back to the 70,000 or so books that have been written on child rearing over the years... How often, and I guess I'd say in how many of those books,
1: would you say we encounter anything on the subject of shaping our kids' political views? Uh, well, if I had to tally it all up, I'm guessing the total would come to about zero, <laughs> and, I, and I'm rounding up. <laughs> uh, seriously, though, I, I have no idea, but it, it wouldn't be many. Uh, but why wouldn't we talk uh, you know, with our kids about... Uh, politics. Why not? Um, as you stated in the opening, we really do have influence with our kids to to help create for our posterity uh, a, a world that they'll either have to inherit or, like you said, get to inherit. And when I think about all the, the conservative, God-fearing, Jesus-loving friends that I have alone whose political views are shaped by CNN and MSNBC and all the liberal uh, politically correct networks, it, it really boggles my mind, Rich. Uh, many of these same friends— uh, would even say that they're they're totally against abortion and gay marriage and, and then go out and vote in ways and, and for candidates that roll out the red carpet for the support, even the promulgation of both, uh, among other anti-biblical mm. ideologies. I cannot explain it. But again, as, as you mentioned in the opening, uh, I don't know that it's even possible to keep from mixing religion and politics. Uh, after all, when our Constitution mentions our religious freedoms, isn't that somewhat a, a mixing of religion and politics right there? I mean – I'm not sure, but I, I think the separation of church and state is a concept that was supposed to keep the state out of the church and not necessarily the yeah. other way around. Uh, and I could be wrong about that. Uh, I, but I don't think that the term separation of church and state is even in the Constitution either, And as most of our kids and probably half of the lawyers in America might believe it to be. So maybe it would be wise for, for more parents to start having more conversations with their kids about politics, according to the Bible.
0: Well, uh, just to answer that question, I do happen to know the separation of church and state is not specifically written in those words in the Constitution. Mm-hmm. It's a paraphrase of something uh, Thomas Jefferson said back in the early 1800s in a letter to the Danbury Baptists. Mm-hmm. Uh, many people have used his wording to describe um, you know, the intent of uh, the Establishment Clause and the Free Exercise Clause in the First Amendment. Uh, that, by the way, says that Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, mm-hmm. a very important point. Right. Uh, in that letter, though... And I've got uh, some of the text of it right here. It was published in a Massachusetts newspaper. Jefferson wrote, Believing with you that religion is a matter which lies solely between man and his God, that he owes account to none other for his faith or his worship, that the legitimate powers of government reach actions only and not opinions, I contemplate, Jefferson said, with sovereign reverence, that act of the whole American people which declared that the legislature should make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. And in his next phrase, he said, thus building a wall of separation between church and state. Mm-hmm. And he goes on to say much more about it. But but the fact is that phrase is not in the Constitution. Yeah. And as you pointed out, it's to protect us from them, not them from us. Yeah, Uh, It really is the protection of religion from politics rather than the protection of politics from religion. There you go. And uh, that's what they were talking about. But as you might imagine, there's a lot more to this relationship uh, between things we don't discuss at the dinner table. And so we've invited a special guest to fill us in on a lot of this, and uh, he is Dr. Wayne Grudem. Uh, Dr. Grudem is the author of a great book called Politics According to the Bible— A Comprehensive Resource for Understanding Modern Political Issues in Light of Scripture. Now, it's several years old, but um, this would be a great reference book probably for any family. It's uh, over 600 pages in length. He talks about over 60 different political issues, including national defense, the environment, economics, marriage, the protection of life, and the courts. And, uh, you know, not only could you sit down if you had the time and read it cover to cover, but you can go to it as Sort of an encyclopedia of this sort of thing and get some great insight. Uh, Dr. Grudem is a research professor of theology and biblical studies at Phoenix Seminary in Phoenix, Arizona. He is currently a member of the Translation Oversight Committee for the ESV Study Bible. Incidentally, he and his wife Margaret have been married since 1969. They have three adult sons, so uh, perhaps he can lend something to this parenting conversation. Absolutely.
1: Dr. Grudem, welcome to License to Parent.
2: Thank you very much.
1: Dr. Grudem, tell us uh, how uh, political conversations uh, and your book, Politics According to the Bible, uh, might help parents help their kids better understand and participate in our American democracy.
2: Well, the instructions to parents in Deuteronomy, Moses tells the people of Israel that they are to talk of God's laws when they sit down and when they rise, when they walk along the road, uh, basically through the day. And I think that means teaching children how the teachings of the Bible and the verses of the Bible apply to many situations in everyday life. Mm -hmm. We have the privilege in the United States of living under a governmental system where, as the Declaration of Independence says, the government derives its just powers from the consent of the governed. That's right at the beginning of the Declaration of Independence. And um, that means that government can govern us, when we give agreement to it, when we give support to it, when we vote for it, and we get the kind of government we vote for and choose as a people, as a nation. Mm -hmm. That's a great privilege, but we need wisdom to be able to choose rightly. And Mm -hmm. so, in that case, in that way, the teachings of the Bible provide principles, moral principles for right and wrong, and the Bible does teach us about the proper role of government and what government should do and not do. Mm
1: -hmm. Are there any other verses in Scripture, Old or New Testament, that pertain to our responsibility as parents to train our kids, uh, not just in the way they should go uh, right. morally, but their, their interaction with government itself.
2: Well, if we look at the narrative stories in the Bible and ask, is there any place where the Bible talks, if parents are teaching the Bible to their children, is there any place where the Bible talks about God's people having influence on and directing the course of or influencing the course of secular government, not mm-hmm. the government of the Jewish people particularly, although that's certainly true. But the governments of uh secular or pagan nations. You go right back to the book of Genesis, Genesis forty one forty. Joseph was second in command over the whole nation of Egypt. Right. But then to to go further we get to uh uh Daniel in Daniel four twenty seven he was a high advisor to Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon. Mhm. And uh, Nehemiah Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king, was an advisor to the king uh, at that time. And Esther, of course, she risked her life to walk in uninvited to the presence of the king. Mm -hmm. And uh, by doing that, she influenced the secular government and saved the Jewish people from destruction. Mm -hmm. And then her relative Mordecai in the last chapter of the book of Esther had great influence as second in command over the kingdoms of Persia. So. There are a lot of examples of God's people in the Old Testament. We go to the New Testament. John the Baptist, Luke 3 says, Luke three nineteen, he rebuked Herod for all the evil things that he had done. It wasn't just rebuking him for marrying his brother's wife, which was morally wrong, mm-hmm. but for all the evil things that he had done, and that must have included many policies and governmental decisions that Herod, as a Roman ruler, had carried out in Palestine. Right. And then Paul, in Acts 24, 25, I just read that earlier today in fact when I was working in the book of acts he reasoned with felix about uh, righteousness and self-control and coming judgment and I'm sure that there was back and forth discussion the greek verb there indicates back and forth discussion mm-hmm. uh about what kinds of policies uh, felix as a roman official had carried out mm-hmm. and whether they were right or wrong and it says that Felix was alarmed and said, go away, I'll talk to you later.
1: Well, Paul also demanded his rights as a Roman citizen, too. So, he did. You know, so he, he was using the government to to fulfill what God has put him on this earth to do.
0: And, and that meant that he had to have a, a good working knowledge sure. of what those rights were exactly. and what he could do in order to be able to, to mount that defense.
1: Exactly.
2: And then uh, his uh, he must have learned that growing up. Mm-hmm. Somehow. Absolutely. Absolutely, And and also learned what the uh, Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament to us now, mm-hmm. said about the government. Yeah. And, of course, there's, there are all sorts of verses about good and evil kings in the Old Testament and how they right. acted. And you have Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2, right. which talk about the responsibility of government to punish those who do wrong right. and to praise or reward those who do right. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot in scripture about government.
1: Yeah, no doubt about
0: that. We We got to the point where here in America
2: at present
0: we are very divided both politically and ideologically and i i heard somebody commenting the other day that um he'd rather not have to pay attention to government he'd rather it just be run by some boring people so that he didn't ever have to hear about it i think he was tired of hearing all the news which is less political and more social you know about what's going on in government but um how do we, as as believers, engage in the current political and social climate without doing ourselves in? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, that's a question that each individual has to ask. Yeah. Um, because some people will be very involved in politics and will run for office. Will perhaps become a congressman or senator or president or vice president or governor. Others will just uh, seek to vote properly, maybe be a member of a school board or a city council. But that depends on God's calling. But I think we have all a responsibility to be informed and vote properly. And then Paul says in First Timothy 2, we should pray for kings and all who are in high authority. Yeah. And so we should pray for our government too. That doesn't mean be consumed. I think there's a temptation to be consumed and then become fearful and worried about government and we have to realize that the national media, on both conservative and liberal sides, tend to get viewers by inculcating fear right, right, right. and worry. And so they're always going to highlight conflict and predictions of disaster that's going sure. to happen or some bad thing that's going to happen. And I think we need to warn our children against that, but also teach them how to listen wisely to uh, the news broadcast.
1: Well, there's not a lot of history being taught in schools today Uh, that isn't revisionist history to some degree, it seems like. And I don't think our kids uh, are really aware of of our nation's Christian heritage. Uh, And yet, you know, you still have a Bible, and, you know, to put your hand and raise your right hand, put your hand in the Bible, and, you know, so help me God, the whole nine yards... Um, how do we get to a place uh, with that kind of you know, foundation in this nation? How did we get to a place politically, morally, and ideologically that we are so divided? How do we let that happen as a church? With the infrastructure we have as a church, how in the world did we let that happen?
2: I'm not sure that we let it happen. Um, what happened was, uh, in my understanding, Trace, what happened was the Supreme Court took to itself powers that it should never have had mm-hmm. and began to systematically chip away at the influence of Christianity in particular, religion in general, but Christianity in particular, in the public life of our nation. Mm-hmm. And so uh, instead of thinking that the First Amendment uh, prohibited an established church that was supported by the government or no official state church like the Church of England in England or the Lutheran Church in Scandinavia. Uh, instead of thinking the government shouldn't do that, which our founding fathers fled from in England, right? Uh, they uh, decided in a series of Supreme Court decisions, Lemon v. Kurtzman and some others, that uh, government should not um, support or advocate religion in general as opposed to, you know, being Presbyterian or Baptist or Catholic, uh, a particular religion. And the Constitution never meant that because it said government should not prohibit the free exercise of religion. And that's what happens so that people, teachers in public schools, uh, government officials, uh, sports coaches at football games, um, are uh, in many cases prohibited from expressing their Christian faith. And so as I mentioned I, I talk in this book, Politics According to the Bible, about the need to reclaim uh the ground that has been lost by a renegade Supreme Court. Right. And I'm I'm happy to say with uh the appointment of uh, Neil Gorsuch and uh Brett Kavanaugh, the two new justices appointed, are originalists. They think that the role of the judges is to uh, as uh, John Roberts said, act as an umpire calling balls and strikes but not uh, make new rules for the game.
1: But isn't that undermining the very uh, republic uh, that we've started here in this on this continent?
2: I think when the justices, and I explained this at some length in a chapter on the court, in chapter 5 of my book, Politics According to the Bible, when the justices began to take to themselves the idea that they should Make up new rights and new laws uh, based on some principle that they saw somewhere in the Constitution, then um, there was an excessive power taken to the Supreme Court, taken mm-hmm. by the Supreme Court to itself. Mm-hmm. And I think over the last 50 years, especially since 1973, Roe v. Wade, the abortion decision, uh-huh. the American public increasingly has been awakened to the fact that they're being ruled not by elected officials, the president and the legislatures but they're being ruled by nine Supreme Court justices who are taking to themselves rights they shouldn't have. And so that has resulted in the, in the election of a number of conservative presidents and the appointment of Samuel Alito, uh, Justice Scalia, Justice John Roberts, mm-hmm. and now Gorsuch and um, Kavanaugh. So there's a 5-4 majority of justices who are going to be restrained and not take that power to themselves, which they should not have.
1: Well, praise God for that. Uh, but I think uh, we're cultivating a citizenry that is coming forth with an entirely different way of, of, of seeing things. Uh,
2: yes, not being willing to be governed by the Constitution.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, there's been some very scary statements that way. And, uh, you know, I, I think we have to be intentional in engaging our own kids in political discussions right now while they're young. Um, or or if not, who or what do you see shaping the future of our nation? Can things get any crazier?
2: Romans thirteen one: let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Mm-hmm. And I think parents should teach their children that the highest authority in our country is not the president, right. it's not the Congress, it's not the Supreme Court. It's a written document, the Constitution. And that's the authority that we should be subject to, first of all. Mm-hmm. And then, under the Constitution, be subject to the elected officials and appointed officials that are in constitutional, uh, according to the provisions of the Constitution, are yeah. put in place to have governing authority over us. And that's why the President, in his oath of office, just swears what does he, what does he, say? he swear that he will do faithfully?
0: To uphold to, the to, um, Constitution,
2: yeah. Yeah, protect, defend, and uphold the Constitution of the United States of America. I may not have the phrase exactly right.
0: Our guest today on Licensed to Parent is Dr. Wayne Grudem. He's author of the book, Politics According to the Bible, a comprehensive resource for understanding modern political issues in light of Scripture. Incidentally, you can find his books on his website, wayngrudem.com. That's wayngrudem, G-R-U-D-E-M.com, or wherever you get your books. We've got to take a brief pause, and we'll be right back with more Licensed to Parent after this.
3: Remember back in the late 80s and early 90s as the internet hit the scene? You know, the information superhighway? We had great hopes that this new knowledge economy would make our teens more aware, diversify their tastes, and improve their verbal skills. But the enlightenment didn't happen. Technology has had the opposite effect. What once promised great hope for the future is now used to indulge in diversions. The Dumbest Generation by Mark Bauerlein, subtitled, How the Digital Age Stupefies Young Americans and Jeopardizes Our Future, or Don't Trust Anyone Under 30, presents a portrait of the young American mind at this critical juncture, revealing the true cost of the digital age and our last chance to fix it. The Dumbest Generation by Mark Bauerlein, available in the store at LicensedToParent.org proceeds benefit the shepherds hill academy scholarship fund
0: teen rebellion depression addiction rage cutting and suicide are destroying our families today but there is a way out shepherds hill academy offers a 12-month christ-centered nonprofit residential program where kids are being transformed with a biblical worldview and often medication free Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias is just one of many Christian leaders who understands what's happening at Shepherd's Hill Academy.
2: It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherd's Hill Ministries and Licensed to Parent to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. Uh, I cannot gainsay how important this is, and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society.
0: Get the help you need at Shepherds Hill Academy. Go to helpmytroubledteen.org, helpmytroubledteen.org. You're listening to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, and you'll find us online at licensetoparent.org. And we're talking today with Dr. Wayne Grudem. He's author of a book called Politics According to the Bible, a comprehensive resource for understanding modern political
1: issues in light of the scripture. Trace? Well, Dr. Grudem, uh, a lot of parents are concerned that they're losing their, their, their rights as parents to be, uh, you know, the the final arbiter <laughs> with their kids. Uh Democracy, you know, has always given parents authority over their kids, but a lot of parents are, are afraid that it's going away uh, and that, the, you know, the, the government is going to be telling our kids uh, what to do and we're going to have uh, uh, a limited amount of authority in our own families. Uh, do you see our, our democracy ebbing away? Uh, your thoughts?
2: Well, Tracy, you put your finger on the, one of the biggest threats to our uh, way of life and our nation and greatest threats to our freedom. And that is um, the threat of the political left wanting to have more and more control over our lives and control over even how we raise our children. And I don't know if you saw within the last week, uh, uh, I think it was the Supreme Court in Germany uh, prohibited a, a Christian family from homeschooling their children.
1: Surprise, surprise, Germany. <laughs> We're going to
2: take your children from you and educate them the way we think they should be educated. Mm. Oh my and gosh. thats I think we see that threat then looming on the horizon. But I'm encouraged by something, and that is, it seemed to me under President Obama, the uh, political left in the United States was accumulating more and more power for itself uh, with higher taxes and, and thousands of regulations on business and on our daily lives, mm-hmm. and more and more restriction on our freedoms. And the political system of the United States was being tested. The question is, would the system of government established in the U.S. Constitution be strong enough to correct the, the nation when it started to veer in the way of more and more excessive control over our lives? Mm-hmm. And um, I think the system is working. What happened was we have I a system so. where you have a requirement for uh, every two years, Congress, uh, members of the House are elected every six years, senators, and then every four years, uh, president. And the requirement of periodic elections came into play, and the people rejected the trend toward uh, more government control. Another protection is the individual, 50 individual states in the United States have more autonomy and more authority than local uh, or regional divisions do in any other nation on the earth, as far as I know, and I've visited a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the states began pushing back against excessive federal control. Yeah. And uh, and then the freedom of the press and freedom of assembly and freedom of speech and freedom of religion, that was responsible for allowing Donald Trump to be elected and the right. transition to turn in the other way. So things are so, going to get so bad. Well, it seems that, to me know. that the system of government uh, laid out in the Constitution of the United States with, with separation of power and extensive accountability to the people, the system is working and well, it's correcting. And I'm thanking God for that.
1: Exactly right. Yes. Exactly right. Now, you already mentioned Romans 13, which talks about obeying our government. Uh, How do we obey our government and teach our kids to obey our government when our laws force us into actions that violate our biblical worldview? How do we obey a government like that? And is there ever a time that Christians should engage in a revolution?
2: Well, the uh, Bible itself gives examples of God's people disobeying government when the government commanded it to sin. Of course, all children in Sunday school know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the book of Daniel.
0: Well, they used 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 to. to (laughs)
2: And and in, in the book of Acts in the New Testament, the Sanhedrin, the Jewish governing council, told the apostles not to preach in the name of Jesus, and they said we must obey God rather than man. And so there are more examples than that. I won't take time to go into them now. But the whole pattern is the narratives of scripture view with God's approval the actions of disobeying government when government commands God's people to sin against Him.
1: Yeah, I, I hope parents are listening to that. Yeah, and I'm not advocating for revolution, I'm not. I, I, but I, I would say it's also important,
0: though, for parents and well, citizens in general to recognize. If God's law says something different than what man's law says, we are to follow God's law. But that doesn't mean that we will be free from the penalties of man's law Absolutely. for breaking it. We just
2: have to be willing to do what's right. right.
1: And I think you know uh, Hebrews 11 talks about the people who did pay the price for some of that stuff.
2: Uh, but, but it also talks about those who, through faith, conquered kingdoms.
1: Exactly. So exactly.
2: There were times when government was so bad that they needed change, and God empowered people to change them. And our founding fathers—not everybody agreed at the time of the American Revolution—that Christians should uh, throw off the yoke of the King George of, the Third of England. But um, most uh, most Christians did agree that the abuses and the tyranny had become intolerable, and they had to protect those in their care from the the uh, evil ruler who was uh, tyrannizing them. Mm-hmm. And they explained the reasons in the Declaration of Independence. That's yeah. that's. Uh, That's what that
0: long document is about. Dr. Grudem, I know your time is uh, tight today, and we want to respect that. Uh, We could probably talk for another few hours on this subject, so perhaps we could have you back to cover this some more or one of your other 20 books. And uh, we'd love to do that. Thanks so much for being on Licensed Parent with us. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. I
2: enjoyed the conversation.
0: And again, the name of the book we've been discussing is Politics, According to the Bible, a Comprehensive Resource for Understanding Modern Political Issues in Light of Scripture. And the author has been our guest. He's Dr. Wayne Grudem. You'll find all of his books on his website, waynegrudem.com. Grudem is spelled G-R-U-D-E-M. So waynegrudem.com. Or you can find him wherever you get your books. And this is Licensed to Parent. You'll find us online at licensetoparent.org. While there, you can listen to past conversations. You can check out Trace's blog and learn more about our parent ministry, Shepherds Hill Academy. And remember that the work we do here is only possible because of the help of generous partners just like you. If you'd be willing and interested in joining our work, we invite you to do so. You can join us here at Licensed to Parent through a tax-deductible gift to help us offset some of the costs of running a residential program for teens in crisis. Your gift can help provide scholarships for families who might not otherwise be able to afford residential care. You can give securely online by clicking the donate button at the top of our page at licensedtoparent.org. Our guest coordinator on Licensed to Parent is Daniel Facina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Retrozle inviting you to join us again next time to
1: renew your license to Parent. And remember folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you, we'll see you next time.